Well, good morning, church, and happy new year. What a blessing it is to gather, thank you, Zach, in this place today, and uh, start the new year together. That's good. Um, I'm really glad uh, that you all are here today. If it's your first time with us, I know uh, with the new year starting, we're bound to have a few guests in the house. I want you to know uh, we are so glad you are here. We say this often uh, here at Riverside that that we are not uh, perfect. And so if you stick around very long, you'll find out just how true that is, how imperfect we really are. Uh, But we are striving uh, to live different, to live for Jesus, to live into the life that Jesus offers, the abundant life that he talks about. And if you're looking for that, Uh, If as the new year begins, if you're looking for um, a better life, uh, and when I say better life, I'm I'm talking about the life that Jesus offers, Uh, let me just invite you. Uh, We would love, we would love for you to find uh, your home here, uh, to discover what so many of us have discovered, that this is a church, a faith family that you can belong to, and we would love nothing more uh, than for you to be a part of, of what God is doing in this place. It's a new year, and as we begin, I can't help but just pause for a moment before we begin and reflect on all that God did last year. Um, if, if you were here last year, you saw God move in our house in a lot of different ways, and I don't have time this morning to recount all the ways, but I feel like I have to just take a brief moment. I've shared some of this with, with some of you, but I haven't had a chance up here to share this with, with all of you. So I wanted to take just a moment to reflect on just a few of the ways that we've seen God move in our house over the last 12 months, uh, it was an incredible year for, for our faith family here at Riverside. And, and you probably saw God move in ways I didn't. Um, I know there's lots of stories, personal stories to tell. I'm just going to gloss over some of the, the highlights because God moved in so many ways. But I feel like it's, it's appropriate at the beginning of this year to look back to last year and celebrate what God has done, believing he's going to do even more in the years to come. But in January of last year, we started the year by adding 45 uh, new ministry leaders to our leadership here at Riverside. That was a, a huge day for our faith family. In February, we had our very first baptism of, of 2018. That was just a taste of what was to come. We were praying for 12. We had no idea what God would do. Fast forward to April. On Easter Sunday in April, we had our first ever baptism Sunday that day. We had over 500 in our house, and we saw four more people baptized into Jesus that day. It was an incredible, incredible day uh, here at Riverside. After an incredible summer of seeing more people baptized into Christ, after a summer of our children having incredible events, our teens going and doing some incredible things and hearing those stories, we gathered in this room. Some of you were here in August, and it was a holy moment as we sort of just flooded the floor and surrounded Nathan and Michelle Weber and prayed over them and and blessed them and sent them to Greece to serve as missionaries there. That's a day I'll never forget in the life of this church. It was a a holy moment in this place. Then at the end of August, beginning of September, some of you will remember walking into this room and seeing a big hole behind me as we started demolition and construction in this room. And it was a a cool thing over those next several weeks to kind of go into camp style worship as we try to figure out week in and week out how to do church. But now we have a beautiful new AV and screen to help us in our worship. It's just a a, a huge blessing to our, our AV team and our worship team. That same September, in fact, that Sunday that this was finished, we had our very first ever Bring a Friend Sunday, and that was part of our Live Different vision to lean into this language, this, this identity, this calling to, to be an inviter. Jesus is an inviter. Some of the first words Jesus ever spoke were, come follow me, and we want to be like Jesus in that way. And so to have that, that Bring a Friend Sunday to invite people into our house was huge, and it was, it was a great day for our church. October was really a big month for us because later that month, 
I guess pretty early on in that month, uh, we got Zach Cowdery in Madison here at Riverside. And what a blessing that God brought Zach to be our new worship minister and to, to serve our church, to bless all of us each week. Uh, we're so grateful for you guys and looking forward to what's to come this year for you as you, uh, as you get married. That's going to be awesome. And then uh, October also, we had uh, Harvest Sunday, where as a church, you gave over $116,000 to support missions here locally and around the world. That was, I forget the exact number, like twenty six, twenty nine thousand more than a year ago before that. So again, like Bob said, this church, a church of uncommon generosity, every time there's a need, you rise up and you meet it with your generosity and such a blessing. The very next Sunday was our Engage Sunday, again, leading into that part of our vision to engage in what matters most, where people in this church gathered and we, we didn't have worship like this. We, instead of coming to, to do church, we decided to be the church and we, we served all over the city and in the surrounding areas in the name of Jesus, doing all kinds of good things for people in his name. And it was a great day for our church to serve in that way. October was just a huge month for us. And then in November, we had our 17th baptism. Again, we prayed for 12, and God blew us away as we saw 17 different people over the course of the year be baptized into Jesus. It was an incredible year for our church, and I'm just hitting a few of the highlights. There's so many more things I could tell you, but can we just take a moment and thank God and praise God for all he's done? Yeah, absolutely. What I really want to do is just take a moment and pray and thank God in that way. So if you would, let's, let's just begin uh, with prayer. God, you are so good and so kind. And God, you are moving in this place. And I wish we could take the entire morning to just share stories and tell each other how we saw you move and work in, in our lives individually, in the lives of people in this faith family. Um, God, it's, it's a holy thing to take a moment to pause and to reflect, to think about all the ways we saw you move in the past year. And with that same excitement, we anticipate, Father, what you will do in this place in the year to come. And so we come today, and we want to come every week, Father, expectant, uh, leaning into you, praying for you to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine in this church, for this church, through this church, for the spread of your gospel, for the glory of your great name. Father, would you come and allow your favor to be over us? Would you come and allow your spirit uh, to move through us? Jesus, would you be lifted up in this place? And as you were lifted up, may you draw all people to yourself. Father, would you touch every heart and change every life? God, would you come? Would you come upon this church, Father? Would you come upon us and change us? Would you help us to step into this life you're calling us into, this different kind of living, this, this abundant life that, that Jesus offers? And Father, we, we know, but we don't know. We taste, but we can't fully understand. And We just pray that you would lead us into this everlasting life. And help us, Father, to be your people in this place, your light shining in, in this city and in, and in the, the places that surround us, Father, and throughout the world. Father, may we just be one outpost in your kingdom, shining the light of Christ to all those around us. Father, this is our sincere prayer. In the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and we all say, amen. Man, as, we, as I reflect on all that God did this past year, it just makes me excited for what's next. And, and I want to begin today, I want to begin this month, I want to begin this series, you know, with that question. What's next? What's next for you as an individual? What's next for us as a church? What's, what's next for us? 
What's next for you? And, and I feel like with the beginning of a new year, it is a time to dream again, to think again about what God can do, what God might do, what God could do in us and through us if we put our lives up under his life, if we lived our life into the life that he's offering. And just ask the question, what's next And there's a lot of places you could turn to find answers to that question. But what I want to encourage us to do as a church is to turn to Jesus and and to look to him to answer that question for us. And so maybe the best way to begin is maybe the way some of you are already beginning, but it's, it's to ask this question. What do you want to be true about you at the end of 2019? What do you want to be true about you? At the end of this year, at the end of 2019, this past year, my son had uh, one goal. It really wasn't his goal to begin the year, but as the year went along, it became his goal. Uh, My son, some of you guys know, he's 12 years old. And like a lot of 12-year-old boys, he's starting to grow uh, really fast. He won't stop eating, and so it just keeps happening. You know, he's getting taller and taller. And in our laundry room at our house... We have a place, the doorpost there, where, like a lot of you guys, you know, with kids, we, we measure the kids, and we draw a line, and put their initials, and the date, and we kind of see how much they're growing, and they love, all of them love to do that, to go in and, you know, measure me, dad, measure me, dad, have I grown, am I taller, am I not, you know, where am I at, have I caught up with brother or sister, you know, where am I at on the, on the, on the height chart here, and that was fun for Will, until he realized that it's much more fun to measure himself against his mom. And then he lost all interest in the, the laundry room. Mom, come here. Let's stand up. And for weeks, he would stand up. And you could see she was just a little bit. And he was just right under. And then it looked like that. They were right, you know, right there, neck and neck. And then all of a sudden, just a few weeks ago in December, this happened. Uh, Will outgrew his mom. And in case you're not sure, you can see the next picture. We put the word of God, which is all truth. And you can see the tilt is definitely not in her favor. Here's the reality. We're all growing. The question is not, will we grow? We're all growing in one direction or another, right? The question isn't, will we grow? The question is, how will we grow? How will we grow? How will we grow this year? What's going to change this year? What's going to be different this year? We're all growing in one direction or another direction. The question isn't, will we grow? It's just, how will we grow? And again, it's the same question, but a different word. What's next? How will you grow in your marriage this year? What's next for your marriage this year? How will you grow as a person this year? What's next for you as an individual this year? How will you grow as a parent this year? What's going to be next in your parenting this year? What's, how are you going to grow as a grandparent or as an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a sister? What's next for you and your family this year? And, and, and how are you going to grow this year? What's next for you in your profession this year? How are you going to grow in your profession this year? Or what about this question? What's next for you in your faith? Here's the great thing about faith. There's always a next step in your faith. You never get to the end of growing in your faith. There's always room to grow. There's always something that can change. We're always striving to live different, to live into the life that Jesus is calling us into. And so the question is, how will you live this year believing so much in Jesus that it's going to change the way you live in one way or another? What's next for you in your faith this year? What's next for us as a church in our faith this year? Here's what I really believe. What's next for us really depends on what's next for you. 
What's next for us collectively really depends on what's next for you individually. And so what I want to suggest is that all of us collectively, all of us together, lean in together into maybe the same thing at least for the next month or so. Because what I believe is true is that nothing can happen for us collectively unless something is happening in each heart individually. And as God is working and moving in each of our hearts individually, I believe what happens in this place collectively is that we together are changed. What I would love to suggest is that as we begin this year together, that you would consider joining us as we lean together into the red letters, the words of Jesus. Uh, you may know this story, but in 1899, a man by the name of Louis Klopsch, I think I said his last name right, who was the editor for the Christian Herald magazine, had this idea. He wanted to publish a Bible where all the words of Jesus were in red. And not just that, but he wanted to go back to the Old Testament and find every reference, every prophecy, every, everything that pointed to, to Jesus Christ and put a red star, a red asterisk by it. And so with the help of scholars around the world in 1899, Louis Klopsch published the first ever red letter edition of the Bible. And so a lot of you today, you have scripture, you have Bibles, and when you open it, you'll see there, there's red letters of Jesus. The, the words of Jesus are in red. That all goes back to 120 years ago when Lewis Klopsch had this idea to print this Bible, to publish this Bible, so that people like you and me could read scripture and could see really easily the words of Christ. Could see really easy all the, all the references in the Old Testament pointing to Christ. See the red thread that goes all the way through how the entire scripture, how all the Bible points to one figure, to Jesus Christ. 120 years ago, the first red letter Bible was published. And I'm wondering if now, 120 years later, we can lean into those red words, those red letters, the words of Christ together. Maybe some of the best advice I've ever gotten, you've probably heard this too, is to always begin with the end in mind. So what if at the end of 2019, what if one of the things we wanted to be true about us is that together we leaned into the red letters of Jesus and asked Jesus to change us, to transform us. To admit that we're not there yet and we don't have it all figured out. To lean into the, the teachings of Jesus and allow the words of Jesus to change us and transform us and make us more and more like him. If you'll open up your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew's the first gospel, the first book in the New Testament. Matthew 5 through 7, probably, I think it does, contain the longest continuous streak of red letters. Uh, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the longest collective teaching of Jesus at, at one time in Scripture. It's a good place. It's a good place to start. This teaching of Jesus is, is given to his, some of his very first disciples. And it's, it's at the very beginning of his ministry. Jesus ascends a hill and he gathers his first disciples around him. And he begins to give them this incredible teaching. And what's really interesting is that those who were there that day, they knew that, that there was something special going on in this moment. This, this was a sign they knew because they, they, they knew their history. They knew their tradition. They knew where they come from. They knew who they were. They knew that about 1,450 years before this moment, another man ascended a mountain to get the word of God and to give the word of God to the people of God. His name was Moses. Moses had ascended a mountain to receive the word of God, what we call the law of Moses, Torah, which you may know as the Ten Commandments. And he came down the mountain to tell the people, this is the word of God for the people of God. Now Jesus ascends a mountain in much the same way Moses did. 
except he's not receiving a word from God. He is God. And he's giving the people of God a new word from God. He's not explaining the previous teaching. He's giving them a new teaching. He's telling them this is how life is supposed to be in the new kingdom. In the kingdom that I'm inaugurating, in the kingdom that I'm bringing, in the kingdom of heaven. This is what life is like. And what I want to do over the next four weeks as January unfolds is I want us to lean into this teaching, what's called the Sermon on the Mount, together. But I don't want to begin at the beginning. I know that makes sense, but we're not going to. What I want to do is I want to begin at the end. And I want you to see as we begin how Jesus ends this incredible teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the end of that passage. In Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 24. And I want you to hear how Jesus ends this very um, incredible teaching, this sermon that he, he gave that day. Jesus says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. He starts there. Anyone who, follow, who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. What is wisdom? How do you become a wise person? What does it look like uh, to get wisdom? Jesus says it begins here. It begins with listening to and following his teaching. To listen and to follow, this is what it is to be wise. Hey, Will, I left some papers right there under my chair. Can you bring them up real quick? This past week was, um, actually yesterday, was my wife's birthday. And um, being the incredible husband that I am, I got her a birthday card. And uh, I thought I would share it with you guys. You guys good with that? I think you guys will uh, appreciate this. It's beautiful, first of all, so you can ooh and ah over that. This says, to my wife... Uh, your birthday is a good time to admit the real meaning behind some of the things I say to you. When I say the game's almost over, I really mean there's at least three hours left. When I say I'm not lost, I really mean thank you for being patient while I figure out where in the world we are. <laughs> Y'all don't think this is funny. I think this is funny. <laughs> when I say I'll get right to it, I really mean now that you've reminded me. And then here's a sweet one. When I say I love you, I really mean I love you more than life itself and still can't believe you agreed to marry me. We all know how this works in marriage, right? Like hearing and listening are two different things. We can hear our spouse say something, but it doesn't mean we listen to it. We can hear that they're talking, and we might even repeat it back a second later, but that doesn't mean we're going to put that into action. There's a difference between listening and hearing. And Jesus says, this is wisdom, to listen to my teaching. This is what wisdom looks like. This is the very first. In fact, if you're going to take a, a real practical but very simple wisdom test, the first question would be, are you listening to the teachings of Jesus? And for you and me, it would be like this. Are you reading the red letters? Are you, are you tuning in to what Jesus is saying? So this month, what we want to do as a faith family, as a church, is we want to lean in together into the red letters. So we've got this. You'll see this on your way out this morning. A couple of things for you. We've got what we call the red letter challenge. Really, really simple. For the next four weeks, five days a week, what we want to do together is lean into the same words of Jesus. 
There's a card in the back. If you just want to take a card, then you'll have it. You can stick it in your Bible, and every day you can read the passages that are listed there. We have a PDF online. You can download it right now. You can send it to your Kindle. You can read it on your phone, however you want to do it. It's really super simple. We have a, a few, not very many, but we have a few hard copies. If you just don't know how to do all that technology stuff and you want a hard copy, you can pick one up, and it's all printed out for you. Super easy. What I want to ask you to do, though, as a church, what I want to ask us to do is for the next 30 days— as we walk through the month of January together, is to lean in together to the red letters to the words of Jesus. Because Jesus says there's no way to attain the kind of wisdom he's talking about apart from listening to, apart from reading the red letters, apart from, from, from taking in his teaching. I love, Dallas Willard once said this. I love the way he said this. He said, spiritual transformation is the inescapable human problem with no human solution. In other words... If you want to grow spiritually, you cannot do that on your own. If you want to grow physically, you can. You can eat more, and you will grow one way or another physically. You can take growth hormones, and you can grow yourself physically. There are ways to grow physically, but if you want to grow spiritually, you cannot do that on your own. Only God can do that. What you can do is you can put yourself in position to grow spiritually. You can put yourself in a position where God can do what only he can do in your heart and in your life. And one of those spiritual practices that puts our lives up under the life of Jesus, one of those things that we can do that puts us in a position where God can do something and move in our hearts in a, in a very practical way is lean into the teachings of Jesus. It's to do exactly what Jesus says here, to listen to his teaching. That's, that's part one of the test. Part two of the test is to follow it. Listening plus following. It's, it's obedience. It's, it's, it's listening to what Jesus says and then putting that into action. It's applying it to our lives. It's putting our life up under the authority of another, something we'll talk about more in the weeks to come. It's this idea of I'm going to take what Jesus says and I'm not just going to hear it. I'm going to do it. We're going to find a way to listen to the teaching of Jesus and put this into practice in our lives. Here's what I know is true about you. Your life is perfectly designed to get the results you are currently getting. So if you are happy with your life, stay on course. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. If you're not, it's time to change course. It's time to change direction. We're all following someone somewhere. The only questions are, who are you following and where are you going? Are you following someone you look up to, someone you admire, someone you want to be like, some future version of yourself that you aspire to be? Or are you following Jesus? Really? I always like adding really to the end of it because it makes it feel like you got to lean in a little bit more. Are you following Jesus? Really? And where are you going? Where are you heading? Where is that taking you? Who are you following? And where are you? you going? We've said this before, you cannot drift into the presence of God. You cannot drift into the place you want to be. This takes spiritual practice. This takes exactly what Jesus says, to listen and to follow his teaching, to put into practice what it is that he says. And Jesus says, when you do this, this is called wisdom. And he says it's like this, it's like a person who builds a house on solid rock, Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Why? Because, because it's built on bedrock. And Jesus knew something 
about building. You may remember this. Jesus is the son of a carpenter from Nazareth. Jesus knew something about building. Nazareth is in the, the hill country of the Galilee. It's, it's full of rock. In fact, to be a carpenter in the day of Jesus didn't just mean you were good with woodworking. It meant you were good with stone. Jesus knew something about building. He knew something about foundation. And Jesus says, if you want to build a house that's going to withstand the storm that's coming, you have to build your house on bedrock. I don't know if you've ever built a house. Whenever you built a house, it's, it's kind of fun. You get to pick out the cabinets. You get to pick out the flooring, the paint colors, the appliances, all that cool stuff. There's one thing you don't get to pick. And it may be the most important part of the whole house. You probably don't get to pick your foundation. You know who picks your foundation? Your builder. He knows, she knows what kind of foundation you need. Your builder knows if you need a concrete slab or if you need, you know, cinder blocks to the crawl space. Your builder knows if you're building at the beach, you got to set those poles deep into the earth so it'll support you know, the house that you're building. Your builder knows this. Anybody watch the Cowboys game last night? Go Cowboys. Woo. Yeah, you're not excited about that either. This is a tough crowd. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, I got to go with uh, Will down to a field trip to AT&T Stadium. Some of you know this, but it's, you know, what, 3 million square feet enclosed. It's crazy big. Um, holds 100,000 fans. I think it's the largest, you know, NFL venue there is. And what's cool is, is, is that stadium is built on pillars that are put 70 feet deep into the earth. Those two big um, suspension pole, whatever you call those things, that cover the trusses. Thank you, Mark. I knew that. <laughs> They're 17 feet wide apiece, and they go 35 feet deep into the earth. Because of the foundation, because of the depth of that foundation, that stadium can stand. And sometimes we, we read this passage, and we, we talk about building your foundation, I think there's a better question. I think the question is, who's your builder? Your builder chooses your foundation. If your builder is Jesus, the good news is that when the storm comes, what you built, the house you built, your life will stand. But if your building is anything else, if you have any other builder, if you have any other foundation, your life simply won't stand. And some of you may push back on that and say, no, 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 I know people. I know people who don't go to church. I know people who don't believe in Jesus. I know people who have built a really good life. I even know people who have survived some of the storms of life who don't believe in Jesus, and they're doing okay. But before you go too far down that line of thinking, I want you to really think about what storm Jesus is talking about. We'll get there in a minute. Jesus says this is so important that you build your life on his teachings if you do, when the storm comes, your house will stand. Jesus says, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, listening plus following, obey, is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. A lot of you right now are probably thinking, I just thought this was a cute kid song. The rains came down and the floods came up. But Jesus isn't writing the next great PBS song. Um, when he finished the story, along with all the teaching he had done in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Matthew tells us the crowds were absolutely amazed at his teaching. 
because he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. Why? Because Jesus wasn't up there explaining Scripture like every other rabbi. He was writing it. Jesus, everybody else, they needed sources to prove what they were thinking. Jesus, he is the source. Jesus isn't the next great speaker on the conference circuit. He's not the, 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 the latest commentator giving new insight uh, to, to, to old truths. Jesus isn't out here preaching a prosperity gospel. He's not out here talking about Christian living or behavior modification. Jesus says, this is the way to life. And if you want to have life, you have to build your life on a foundation that will withstand the storm that is coming. And the only foundation that will withstand the storm that is coming is to build your life on my teaching, to listen and follow, to do, to obey what I'm telling you here in this moment. This is the way to life. And don't miss it. The opposite of this is death. To not do this is to literally experience death. And almost every time you read about death in Scripture, it almost always means separation from God. Jesus says, if you want to have life, you have to build your life on his teaching. And he's beginning with the end in mind. He's beginning his ministry with the end in mind. He's beginning this whole teaching with the end in mind. Because if you back up just a few verses, you're going to find the context for this story. And sometimes we don't read them together, but you have to. This story about the wise builder and the foolish builder started in verse 24. If you bump up three verses to verse 21, here's what Jesus said. Not everyone who calls out to me, this may be the scariest thing Jesus ever said. Not, every, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do listen plus follow, obey the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. We came to church every Sunday or at least three out of four. We gave every week or every other week or every other month. We taught a class. We showed up. We served. We helped out. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. The storm that Jesus is talking about is judgment day. The storm that's coming, the winds and the rains, the floodwaters, is the very last day. And we don't talk about this much, but this is the storm that Jesus is talking about right here. And he says, only those who build their lives on his teaching will have a life that's built on a foundation that is going to stand up when that storm comes. The question is, will your life withstand the storm? Our family just made our big trip to the southeast and back, going to see family and friends for the holidays. When you make that drive, we see it almost every time. You can notice places where storms have come through, where tornadoes have hit, and you'll see trees that are still down. You'll see devastation that still exists. You'll see new construction. You'll see you know, piles of trash heaped up on the side where they still haven't finished the cleanup of the project. Because when those tornadoes rolled through, whatever was there, it couldn't withstand the storm. We know this is true, that if you build your life on Jesus, then when the storms of life hit, 
When, when the storms of life hit your family or the storms of life hit your health or the storms of life hit your finances or the storms of life hit your marriage or the storms of life hit your kids or your loved ones, if the storms of life hit your work, when the storms of life come, your life will stand if you build your life on Jesus. We can look around the room and see evidence of that here in this place. We know people in this room, some of you are here today, and you have endured the storm or you are enduring the storm. And what is keeping you standing, what, what, what has you standing up to this point is your faith in Jesus. And if that's you, you need to know we, we see you, we love you, you inspire us, your faith is strong. But that's not the kind of storms that Jesus is talking about here in this passage. He's talking about the storm. He's talking about the last day. He's talking about judgment. He's talking about that day when our lives are going to have to get a, give an answer. And the answer is going to be, is your life built on the bedrock of Jesus Christ? Or is your life built on the sands of this world? Jesus says, build your life. Build your life on me. Build your life on Jesus, and your life will stand. And he's asking us. Matthew's setting this up. The whole sermon is either or thinking. It's yes or no. And in this moment, Matthew puts Jesus up on the mountain where Moses once stood and says, this is Jesus. This is what he says. Take it. Or leave it. Are you in or are you out? Will you declare that you're going to build your life on the one foundation that will never be shaken? On the one who will never fall, on the one who will never falter. Will you declare that you will build your life on Christ and Christ alone? Church, if you would, let's stand. We can sing the song. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. The question is, will we? Will we build our lives on the red letters? Will we let the words of Jesus be the foundation of our lives? This world offers so many other foundations. It invites us in so many other directions. But Jesus says only one foundation will stand. And it's Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. We are the house. And he wants to build us up together to be a house that will stand. So what if we did this? What if we leaned into this together? What could happen in your heart? What could happen in this church? If together we leaned in together to the red letters and let the red letters determine our course, what if we said it's Jesus we're following and we're going wherever he's heading and we'll do whatever he says? What if that was true of us? If your life is headed in a different direction and you want to turn around today, I mean, I would invite you to start this new year in that way. I'm going to ask our shepherds and their wives to make themselves available around the room and they would love nothing more than just to give you a hug and hold your hand and say a prayer and ask God to help you as you try to turn your life around because the invitation is there. Jesus is calling you like he called those first disciples to follow him, to build your life on that same foundation, to build your life on Jesus. Let's sing.